I'm really excited for this week ahead because we will be covering a topic that I am super passionate about, which is how to live an unconventional life when it comes to pursuing the things that you care about professionally, different from what your Asian parents may have expected you to explore. So this week on Wednesday, I'll be interviewing Jane Ko. She's the top Austin food blogger. We became friends when I was living in Austin, Texas, and the female entrepreneurial community is so incredible there. So there was a Bumble business event. And I went up to her afterwards, started chatting with her, and we ended up having lunch and drinks a few times and connecting over our shared Taiwanese cultural ties. But what I love about this topic is that I have definitely pursued a creative career that was unlike the doctor-lawyer bit that my parents expected of me. So you'll hear a little bit of it in this personal essay today. You'll hear an incredible conversation with Jane on Wednesday where she talks about topics she's not normally interviewed about. So she shares things she's never publicly shared before. And then on Friday, we'll have a mindfulness practice that ties it all together. Enjoy. Welcome to the Fuck Saving Face podcast. I'm your host, Judy Tsui, and together we'll explore mental and emotional health for Asian Americans, especially breaking through any taboo topics. Life may not always be pretty, but it is indeed beautiful. Let's make your story beautiful today. What the hell are you going to do with an English degree? My friend Eugene laughed as we sat in the fourth floor common room of Unit 1's Cheney Hall at UC Berkeley. He was an engineer. He's Japanese-American, and he didn't realize how he would take those words with me from the age of 18 until now, at 42. In seventh grade, I failed out of math. I couldn't grasp logic. Up until then, because of my weekly Saturday math tutoring classes that we went to after Chinese school at the Mac facility on Sawtell in Los Angeles, I did okay enough to get through long division and basic algebra. Beyond that, I became lost. In 10th grade, I failed out of math analysis. In order to boost my GPA, I signed up for summer school. The room was hot. We had individual desks with plastic blue seats and mock wood tables. I felt terribly ashamed. Not only was failing completely unacceptable in my family, but I looked around the room and the kids who were also taking math analysis a second time around were kids who looked like they'd been in detention countless times before. Yes, I was judging them. And yes, I was scared. So I couldn't believe it when Kate walked into the room. She was diminutive. She had these freckles against her olive-colored cheeks, and she was beautiful. She had this long, luxurious hair. She was half Chinese, a quarter Filipina, a quarter Spanish. She was one of the most popular girls in school. I used to watch her float down the hallways as I sat quietly at my locker eating lunch because I had yet to make a real friend. Beverly started in ninth grade, and my junior high went up to ninth grade, so I didn't start until 10th grade. And all of these kids at Beverly had gone to school together since they were in elementary school. Meanwhile, Kate would walk up with her Doc Martens, and then she'd go up to her older brother and hug him like they genuinely liked each other so much, like they were so close. Not like he had to be a dad to her or she had to be his mom, the way that I felt like I had to be a parent to my three younger siblings. Kate and her brother were popular. They were gorgeous. They looked to me as though they were untouchable. Kate sat behind me in this makeup math class throughout the summer. We started passing notes. I desperately wanted to be her friend. She seemed smart, and later I'd find out that she even tutored other students, so I wasn't sure how she ended up also failing like me. Want to come over to my house to study? She asked. Wait, what? I asked, confused. You can come over later today if you want. My housekeeper, Terry, will come pick us up. 
When the BMW pulled up in front of the swim gym at Beverly, I tentatively hopped into the back seat. Was this really happening? Less than eight minutes later, Terry pulled up to the driveway of their house on Oakhurst, and I ambled out timidly after Kate, who pushed open the door with carefree confidence. What's for snack, Terry? Kate called out. Their house was small. It was filled with the things of three teenagers. Her younger brother, Lester, was on the computer on the small table outside the kitchen. Corned beef and rice, Terry said in her Filipino accent. Terry was more like a family member than a housekeeper, having been there with the kids all of their lives. I would end up falling hard for her older brother, PJ, a varsity tennis player who carried himself with a swagger he drove around in a white Porsche. Knowing I had a crush on him, he would use this to his advantage and ask if I could help him write his papers once he got into USC. I agreed. I would sneak him into my room at my parents' house in West LA. He would sit there while I did his homework, and rather than feeling guilty or ashamed, I felt honored. I mean, he must see me as smart, right? This high schooler writing college freshman papers? Once, my father unexpectedly came home, so PJ went to hide in the closet. But my father had already spotted the car parked in front. He knew what was happening, and he bellowed like never before. He demanded that I come out of my room. He shouted for me to come to the kitchen. He berated me in Mandarin for what felt like 30 minutes at the top of his lungs while PJ hid in my closet. Everyone could hear everything. PJ could hear everything. By the time I got back to my room, I had wiped the tears away. PJ gently came out of the closet, quietly packed up his things, then climbed out the window and left. I'd like to say that after that, I never helped him again. But instead of him coming to hang out with me anymore, he simply paid me cash and I still wrote his papers. I never knew what grades he ended up getting on those. Before this incident, I had always wanted to be part of their family. They were all actors and models showing up in REM music videos, commercials, print ads. Occasionally, Kate would toss a script across her bed because she was about to go for an audition, and I wished that part of her glittering magic would rub off on me. But I wouldn't be lucky enough to date her older brother's best friend, for example, a sandy, blonde-haired, six-foot tennis player named Quinn. When Quinn left for MIT, he would ask his friends to leave gifts for Kate by her door, the one that led to the backyard. I watched them and wished for a love like that. It seemed that all of PJ's friends went to Ivy League schools, Princeton, Yale. It seemed that all of Kate's friends had swim lessons, horse lessons, drove around in European luxury cars from Beamers to Range Rovers. They were exactly what the show Beverly Hills 90210 conjured up. Kate put makeup on me for the first time. The eyeshadow was dark. I hoped she could cover up my mustache. I never had the right clothes. I shadowed along with her as she spent hundreds without thinking at vintage stores on Melrose. After we would hang out, sometimes I'd hope I could get a ride home from Terry or one of PJ's friends if they were heading my way, but 15 minutes on the side streets of LA seemed so far sometimes, and I didn't know how to ask, so I just took the bus. There's one moment I remember most about our friendship, and it was going with them to Vegas, where they had a second home. We were upstairs. And our Spanish-Filipina mother, who had this husky voice, rich style, and bleach blonde hair, was just laughing with Kate. Her father, Chinese, had these clear-rimmed glasses, and he was so deeply in love with his wife. He praised her. He looked at her longingly. They made fun of each other in sweet ways. That night, they were getting ready to go to dinner on the strip. I had never seen that kind of affection between adults, between parents. Kate's mother was trying to pick out an outfit in their walk-in closet, and then she sat on the floor, clothes piled around her. 
Kate scooted next to her mother on the floor, put her head in her mother's lap, and they laughed about fashion, cajoling one another. They looked like they were having so much fun. And all I wanted to do was crawl into Kate's mother's lap, to be Kate for just an instant, to feel what her life must have felt like, to be that loved, to have things feel so charmed. When I left for college, I handed over my job at the law offices of Neil Diamond Hirsch to Kate and her best friend Natasha. They would send me these handwritten notes from Beverly Hills to my dorm room at Berkeley. When I got to Berkeley, I didn't know you were supposed to pick a major. I didn't know how you were supposed to pick classes at all. My immigrant parents had never done this before, and neither had I, so I ended up flipping through a massive catalog and choosing my classes over the phone registration system past my scheduled, allotted time, missing the best options. After freshman year, I started finding my footing. I started realizing that the Haas School of Business was an esteemed institution and that if you could get into B-School, you were seemingly set for making money for the rest of your life. If you couldn't get into Haas, you could do the next best thing, which was major in econ. A lot of my Asian friends majored in econ. People who got into Haas knew it. They were called Haas holes. People who got into econ seemed to wish they were Haas holes. And then there were the liberal arts majors like me. I didn't think English was good enough, even though our English department was one of the best in the country. I didn't think I was good enough for journalism. All of those people looked so much older than me, like they were in grad school and beyond, that they knew how to be assertive and ask questions, and I could barely form a sentence to utter in any class. I didn't know how to raise my hand. But once I picked English, I figured I needed to do more, so I double majored in mass communications. I double majored at one of the most prestigious public universities in the country, worked two to three jobs to pay my own way through school, and led a case competition team that was sponsored by Haas and Toyota. I wasn't in business school, but I spent almost every week in their ivory towers. My advising professor, Professor Trudy Carrot Ward, said something to me when guiding our case competition team for the American Advertising Federation that has stuck with me to this day. You have a rare gift. You're able to think with your left brain and your right brain. You're able to think strategically and creatively. That's a special thing. I won the AAF Most Promising Minority Award my junior year and had an all-expenses-paid trip to stay at the Waldorf Astoria in New York to receive the prize. I got an internship with Darcy, Macius, Benton, and Bowles on Madison Avenue in New York and lived at the 92nd Street Y, working at agencies that Mad Men featured so prominently in the show, like heading into Ogilvy's offices for meetings. My last roommate in college was a Haas business student. When we graduated, I got a job as a copywriter at a high-tech advertising agency in Silicon Valley. She got a job in San Francisco. We made about the same our starting year. From there, my career trajectory has gone from startup ad agency to top-tier Fortune 500 companies. I've worked for Neutrogena, Toyota, Scion, Walmart, and more. Even though I wasn't brave or bold or knowledgeable enough yet to pursue the journalism school at Cal, I became an editorial writer for MindBodyGreen, an editor in Shanghai, China, the editorial director of a live conscious music and event site, which was all the more meaningful because by then I had also become a yoga teacher and a Reiki practitioner. I had always dreamed of becoming a travel writer. So after I broke up with a boyfriend who I moved to San Diego with, I found a new roommate on Craigslist. I moved in with her. My dear friend Moto would call her Abuelita, the Mexican version of the grandma he always saw me to be. Wendy would introduce me to her cousin, who at the time was the editor-in-chief of San Diego Magazine. Julia would send me on my first travel article to Mexico, and once I figured out how it worked, between the properties, the PR agencies, and the publications, I would take it and run, to the point that I went to Brazil, 
with the first family and youngest person ever to summit Mount Everest, teaching them yoga on a hotel rooftop while also covering their first race since returning from the Himalayas and being featured in Outdoor Magazine and NBC. I would be invited to stay at a private island in Fiji where Britney Spears would frequent. I would go to Colorado, Taiwan, Vietnam, Hawaii, and stay at the Four Seasons twice in a month on Maui, where I get to meet Catherine Budig, a renowned yoga instructor, and we become friends. It would be Julia's twin sister who'd start the Conscious Music Events Company with her husband. It would be Julia who would introduce me to them and say, Judy can help you. It would be connections like this throughout my life that would lead me to the next greatest opportunity, and the next one, and the next one, with ease. My parents still worry about me. They still worry about my career. They're not quite sure what I do, even though they've come to visit me in myriad places I've lived. South Carolina, when I was working on the Learjet account. San Jose, when I was working on eBay. San Diego, when I was starting my life anew after my divorce. Whatever trajectory you think your life will take, if you open up to the adventure and believe in yourself, in your gifts, in the fact that no one else actually knows what's truly next and we're all figuring it out as we go, then maybe... If you choose to pursue an English degree over the seemingly more solid engineering, business, or econ degrees, maybe you'll still turn out more than okay. And in the end, you'll have much better stories to tell. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard and know someone in your life who might also benefit from hearing this episode, please feel free to share it with them. Also, if you'd like to support our show, you can make a one-time donation at fucksavingface.com or you can make a recurring donation at patreon.com forward slash fuck saving face. That's fuck without the U. Subscribe today to stay tuned for all future episodes.